Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, January 18th, 2021. Hope that everything is going well for you and always appreciate you listening in uh, to the show. So uh, today we have what I think is um, a very interesting topic and something that I think is uh, very prevalent uh, going on here, uh, especially in the United States and mainly in the United States. And uh, that is this sort of issue of internet freedom, and particularly um, freedom uh, on the sort of social media platforms and what that means sort of going forward. And, uh, you know, if you're sort of looking at the landscape of what's been happening over the last, you know, year or so, and even really beyond that, but this idea that, you know, if you tweet something or if you post something, there is a tendency, depending on whatever the algorithm picks up, uh, there was actually a time where I tweeted something and actually it, it caught uh, the word election in the tweet, but uh, it was nothing to do with a ongoing uh, general presidential election or anything like that. It was just uh, an election, I think, of something to do in Hollywood, and and it was clearly not related to the election, but because the algorithm on the social media platform picked it up, it immediately added a disclaimer to the bottom saying, check here for election results. And obviously, that's just one aspect of, of tweeting and, and posting things on social media. It also occurs if um, you know you share certain information and then it gets blocked or it gets flagged, you know, by other people who uh, have those tools, uh, or if it's you know picked up by the, by an algorithm. And then, of course, uh, the more recent thing is sort of blocking of accounts and shutting down of accounts, uh, particularly if um, you know viewpoints are seen as uh, dangerous or as uh, inciting violence or, um, you know, what have you. So what we're going to do today is kind of talk a little bit about the history of this and um, sort of the, we're going to sort of, I guess, look back at a little bit at uh, the Communications Act, uh, Section 230, which is really from the early 1900s, uh, but uh, was updated um, years later to sort of figure in and uh, look at social media and other sort of internet platforms, particularly the YouTubes and the Googles and that sort of thing. Um, and then, of course, there was the uh, the issue of removing certain um, apps from um, from, let's say, the Apple App Store or uh, or the Google Store or what have you. 
So these are just some of the ongoing issues I think that are happening. And it, it's something that I think we need to sort of step back and reflect and go sort of what's going on here um, and sort of to ask the question of, is this too much power in one sort of person or company's hands and what should we do about it? Uh, so that's kind of where we're at, right? And I think regardless of sort of where you sit, I think that uh, this is an important issue. And I would say, you know, arguably it's, it's maybe the question of our time. Uh, particularly the regulation of social media and, um, you know, really the freedom of the internet to consumers in general. And I think either way you look at it, it's either going to be a path of um, resistance where you're going to see a lot of regulation or uh, it's going to be a path of sort of uh, less resistance or sort of uh, consistent resistance, I guess in terms of regulation and, and that sort of thing. And of course, and, and how consumers will react. So I was actually talking with a colleague uh, last week and we were sort of discussing about some of the, you know, the ways to solve the social media problem. And one idea that I had sort of mentioned and whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, but it's just an idea is maybe charging for social media because that would immediately put uh, social media and an idea of, you know, really clearly making it a, um, a private platform as opposed to more of what, a, what it really is in practice today as a public forum. And because uh, that way it would basically say, you know, to be on this platform, you have to pay for it. And that would in some sense make it uh, really more of a private uh, platform. And in that way, the platform could really regulate whatever it wanted because it's like joining a country club, right? You have to follow the rules if you want to join it. And so we're going to kind of see how that how that plays out. Uh, that's not an idea that I have seen floated out there, uh, but it's, it's one way to look at it. Um, obviously, the other way is to have Congress get in and regulate and say, um, you know, essentially to remove Section uh, 230, which gives immunity to internet and social media platforms for speech that occurs on there. And particularly for if you're talking about copyright or just speech in general or trademarked, um, you know, sort of trademark issues and removal issues. But uh, the other idea there is basically have Congress come in and say, you know, you can't do this, you can't regulate speech. And if you do, um, it has to be for very specific reasons, let's say criminal or terrorism, you know, that sort of thing. But I, I, again, I think this is the question of our time. I think this is very important when you're talking about, uh, especially as athletes are, are using um, and entertainers are using social media more and more these days to, uh, to express opinions. And I think people having the availability to express opinions something people have gotten used to, right? You know, everybody really has at their fingertips the availability to broadcast, um, you know, their message or their thoughts. And uh, so we're going to see how this plays out. Now, I think looking back, uh, the internet was really created without much regulation. It was essentially hop on and you pretty much uh, could search for what you wanted and, and that sort of thing. I think there's been a consolidation of the industry where, um, you know, you have Google, for example, controlling as a search engine, controls 87% of the market share over other providers. And uh, that particularly con 
particular control over the market has actually led to the United States uh, Justice Department to investigate Google and really other tech companies like Facebook to um, uh, for antitrust activities. So uh, that's going to be interesting going forward too as well in terms of what the marketplace looks like and whether some of these companies will be forced to split up or um, be fined for you know, for antitrust activities. But I think, you know, ultimately when you're looking at search engine aspect, they really have had, have had free reign to provide results. Um, but, uh, and, and there was actually the issue of obviously privacy, right? Well, now there's uh, privacy restrictions that have been, you know, put in place, uh, particularly where you're talking about uh, the collection of consumer data who use people for people who use the platforms and click the um, little sort of check the box type thing, the user agreement. And uh, there's been some limitations now put on that when you're talking about advertising and the selling of data. So we'll see how that plays out. But for the most part, the internet and social media were pretty much open and free except for illegal activity particularly when it came to, let's say, criminal activity, uh, terrorism, or um, really any crime, you know, under the book uh, or on the books, um, you know, that, uh, you know, was pretty much, you know, regulated or taken down. Uh, but I think more and more, and especially during the election season, uh, this was taken to the next level with regard to um, sort of regulating speech uh, that was deemed, you know, let's say inappropriate or, uh, or, uh, you know, the whole, the whole fake news sort of, you know, uh, issue, that sort of thing. Now, um, it, so again, I think we sort of have to sit back and sort of look at this and go, okay, well, you know, what kind of platforms do we want? And, and do we want a collection of ideas regardless of, you know, sort of how, um, uh, how bad they might seem to each individual or a collection of individuals, uh, or should we have more of an open market of ideas? Uh, I think uh, the U.S. Constitution would point maybe to the more sort of open openness of ideas, uh, but we'll sort of see, um, you know, how this plays out. And I think, again, with social media, there's been this increasing call to make platforms liable for content. Uh, that is something that I think has been, been pretty consistent from regardless of where you stand politically. Um, now, in looking at that from a business standpoint, if platforms were made liable, and let's say uh, Congress got rid of Section 230, uh, which allowed uh, sort of immunity for um, you know platforms to post content or share content, if that liability or that protection from liability, that immunity were, were to be taken away, from a business risk management standpoint, uh, you would clearly want to regulate speech because um, you want to have easy removal process and shutdown process uh, because you'd want to minimize risk and liability. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now is that even though liability is, you know, these companies are still immune, uh, I think they're taking process um, to a point of, um, even though there's not liability, they still kind of want to, I think maybe two things they want to uh, maybe in their minds, create a safe environment. Um, but it also could be that, you know, social media tends to be 
um, you know, humans run companies, right? And so I think there's a tendency when you're on a certain platform uh, to want to see or only hear certain viewpoints. And we'll get into sort of why that is and the culture that's uh, been kind of created by social media. But again, I think from a business risk management standpoint, clearly you'd want to, you know, obviously uh, minimize that risk and liability by uh, regulating speech on the platforms. We've already seen some of that occur, right? With a new year comes ton of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try out the Snack Pack Combo featuring small plates with big flavor, mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. Now, and I think there's also an increasing call by others to continue to monitor, control, and deem certain speech to be inappropriate, um, which is, has led social media companies to further regulate speech on their platforms. And um, and I think when looking back, we can really see again that you know when we're talking about speech regulation, what we were originally talking about, I think, was terrorism and criminal activity that is already covered by legislative action and, and court decisions. Uh, but I think uh, there, again, is an increasing call to suppress and remove content by some uh, that is deemed uh, by company policy to be harmful. And of course, when you're talking about millions and billions of accounts on social media, a lot of this stuff is really done by algorithm and um, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Uh, there's just not enough people in the world or jobs in the world really to um, or money in the world really to uh, regulate all of the content that goes on social media. Now, of course, um, and stepping back a little bit, we have to understand that free speech um, is really not a thing on these platforms as it currently stands, meaning that to have a violation or an infringement on somebody's First Amendment free speech, you have to have a government actor or semi-government actor. Semi-government actor, maybe like a state school or something um, where you're getting federal dollars. But when you're talking about government actor, what you're really talking about is like a public forum, you're talking about um, any sort of government entity. But this is sort of like the, the 
you know, in the past, you know, uh, I've written about Colin Kaepernick and Nike and not about the political aspect, but uh, really about the, the benefit that uh, Nike gets from um, sort of taking a social action approach. And um, in that sort of context, uh, there were some complaints that maybe uh, Colin Kaepernick's sort of free speech rights were violated, which is not true because when you join the NFL, you have to follow by their rules. And uh, the NFL is not a government actor. So uh, there is no free speech violations. And uh, of course, um, the NFL, and particularly the San Francisco 49ers, when he was playing there, never told him he couldn't take a knee and express his free speech. Uh, did he end up losing a job over it? He did. Uh, but I think uh, in terms of free speech rights, uh, that is not uh, an issue that would occur without a government actor. So I think just putting that in context. Now, I think there's an argument to be made that social media is a public forum. It's free. It's easily accessible. It's really just the digital version of speaking on a public corner. And uh, I think when you have, when you start with something that's free and open and you move to something that is not so free and open and you begin to regulate, I think people begin to ask questions and begin to wonder why. And there's been these increasing calls on both sides of the aisle to sort of jump in and to regulate some of this uh, action by social media. So we'll see where that plays out. But again, I think this is really the true question of our time and will be an increasing uh, question. So um, I think that if we sort of take a further step back, we can kind of see that we sort of live in a dangerous time. Um, you know, one that I think is both, both the best and worst of times. The best of times because information is easily, easily obtainable. Um, and I think um, something that goes beyond anything the printing press inventor, Johannes Gutenberg, uh, the Gutenberg press could have ever imagined, right? I mean, you're talking about a time when he invented the press and it was like the first thing to be distributed, I think was the Bible. And uh, that before that period of time, really nobody had access to, to reading. And of course, that changed the world, right? And of course, social media has again changed the world because it gives everybody the ability to um, have access to information and to distribute information. Uh, and that can also be a bad thing too, right? Because it also means that um, any piece of information can be available, and particularly maybe bad information. And, and so I think uh, is there a balance to be made between regulation and allowing free speech to occur? Maybe. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be a curious thing going forward as to whether social media platforms go the more private route and begin to charge and, uh, and charge maybe even to have access to content. So almost turning social media into like a streamer to where you have to um, have access to have access to the content you're going to have to uh, pay for it. Yeah, obviously, social media already has ads, um, but maybe that could be stepped up further. Or whether uh, Congress steps in and says you're going to be liable for content, and um, because you're considered a public platform, if it was to go, to go that route and it would be considered that, obviously there would be some serious litigation over that if it occurred. Um, but there's many ways that this could go. And again, I think this is a, just a very interesting topic. So I do think that, um, you know, again, going back to 
um, sort of section 230 of the Communications Act and this sort of immunity aspect. I think that 2020 with really all the social unrest and unrest and pushback, you know, some consumers wanted to see more regulation of speech uh, while others did not. Um, I think that if we look at that sort of issue in perspective and look at it from a history and historical standpoint, it's, it may be short-sighted because bedrock principles of America really provide that free speech is free speech, right? And there's been obviously some limitations on that. Uh, but generally, the government has to have a compelling state interest uh, to regulate what would be sort of public forum free speech. Of course, currently, that's not what social media is. It's not considered a public forum. I think maybe many Americans would consider that it is in practice. But in terms of what the law looks at, uh, Section 230 clearly um, defines social media as not that because it allows them to have immunity uh, from that. So it's interesting how those two really play together. But I think I would be, if I was a social media sort of company owner, I'd be very careful to regulate free speech uh, other than for criminal activity, uh, because I think that you run the risk of, you know, often in life, the tables turn, right? And what might be popular opinion one day may not be popular down the road. And so I think uh, history would show that um, a good debate of ideas and consideration of opinions is necessary. Um, and I think if, if uh, 2020 showed us anything, it was that. And it's necessary in a representative republic, uh, for sure. So I, again, if I was in a social media position of, um, you know, if I, leadership, I would definitely push back uh, on calls to regulate non-criminal speech, um, or better yet, any speech not specifically regulated by legislation and court decision. So, because you know, again, we you know we live in a um, a republic where we have three forms of government, right? And so the checks and balances, you know. And so I think, in terms of the executive, the judicial, and um, the legislative. You know, I think, you know, again, we sort of have to look at these things in context. What does the law say? What does the law provide? What can Congress do to take action here to protect the American people, right? Um, so I think it is interesting uh, from a certain standpoint that social media companies gained users, significant growth, enormous profits, and really liability, a liability-free playground from the government through Section 230, the immunity, immunity what stuff was posted on their platform. Um, now, again, they can still be liable if they don't remove certain content, uh, particularly with regard to copyright and trademark. Um, but I think what social media companies have done is they've taken that a step further. Now we're regulating content based on their company policy, uh, not based on law or court decision. And I think that's the main issue that a lot of people are raising. But um, I think from a standpoint that social media companies were able to gain profit from a liability-free zone, so to speak, to now then turn back on their social media users and regulate them, I, I think um, is suspect, right? And I think it's something we need to take a look at. Um, and maybe it was a decision, you know, these decisions were, were made in haste or, or what have you, but I think ultimately we need to take back and reflect on this. So... I think what we've seen, though, 
and this is kind of interesting, is that I think social media has really given us the sort of Burger King, have it your way tools, right? You know, if you're on social media, you can easily block and follow and friend, mute or report somebody. And, um, and I think those tools are obviously not something that you can really use in real life uh, when you're not on an internet connection and you're not using Wi-Fi or whatever, or a certain platform. You know, if you're sort of at work or you're around other people, you know, you pretty much have to navigate in a very uh, diplomatic way, uh, as people should, with regard to differing opinions and that sort of thing. But I think social media has sort of given people this, again, your sort of Burger King have it your way, um, access to information. And that can be, you know, both great and dangerous, right? And I think uh, people need to uh, practice, you know, really sort of some self-regulation and, and, um, self-reflection. Uh, I think, you know, for social media companies to create this sort of great information highway uh, is wonderful. But then to go back and try to regulate that, um, you know, where you're sort of basing it on the sort of freedom and immunity and then going back to regulate that, I think creates sort of a juxtaposition, right? And I think it's something we need to reflect on uh, as we sort of move into the future. I think, you know, Social media is much like a parent not allowing their kids to watch R-rated movies. And you need to sort of practice self-discipline, self-regulation. And I think people have a choice in what they consume and how they consume it. But I think the choice is key, right? I think social media companies should not be choosing what information we consume. And to be able to choose what information we consume without regulation, um, without direction, other than what their company policy states. And I think this is where Congress... Congress and the courts definitely need to uh, look at this and take action. And I think there's been some increasing calls, again, on both sides to to do that. I, I think um, it's interesting when you compare the United States to other countries around the world, particularly in Europe. And um, America really is exceptional in the sense that um, it really one really of the only countries in the world that allows for free speech and clearly defines it uh, in its constitution. And um, where you look around the world and uh, Europe does not have a Section 230 equivalent, uh, they make platforms liable. Um, I think that uh, it's no surprise that a lot of our entrepreneurs and companies are started and grown in Seek Haven in the United States. And I think it's, there's a reason why social media is so popular in the United States is because of that free speech, free speech aspect. I don't think we should lose sight of that. Again, I think any action to regulate speech on the internet must be first debated in the public space uh, in Congress and eventually interpreted by the courts because you know there's going to be litigation over this, but not by companies, um, you know, sort of through company policy, unless you're going to change the structure of social media and start to charge for it or something changes in that regard. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But again, I think inter internet freedom is an important aspect, and I think it's an important thing that um, we need to be keeping in mind, and I think uh, Congress should be keeping in mind as well. And I think from an entertainment sort of media sports standpoint, it's important, right, because um, you have this sort of situation, especially with name, image, and likeness, um, and um, athletes and entertainers really pushing more into the social space, and people sort of having a public platform, uh, whether it's in practice or in by definition, uh, it's just 
we live in an interesting time, but I think it's something that we definitely need to consider uh, as we move forward. So again, folks, this is uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law. This was episode three of season three. Always appreciate you listening in, humbled that you're listening in, and um, and just again, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.